0: Good morning. Today's Bible reading is from Colossians 2 um, 6 to 15. It's called Spiritual Fullness in Christ. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you are also circumcised, with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Thank you, Margaret. Uh,
1: As I said last week, we've just got a couple of weeks, which we've gone back to Colossians. I'm going backwards. Um, It's not often you go backwards in a book. gave you colossians 3 last week uh we'll look at colossians 2 today then we're going to have our missions month and uh and then we'll start a new series after that let me pray and uh and we'll have a closer look at this passage heavenly father thank you for your word thank you it is your truth and thank you that through it we can uh we can be trained in righteousness we can be rebuked uh we can be upheld and encouraged Uh, father thank you that we come to it with great confidence knowing that you have something to say to us which uh, should impact our lives and will change our lives so father we pray that your holy spirit now will convict us with this double-edged sword that he holds being your word and we pray this in jesus name amen now i was trying to figure out if i shared this with you before um but i didn't grow up in a christian home i think you knew that Uh, but I did used to like U2, Um, I probably still do U2 music. Um, Many of you would know who U2 are. Uh, Now for me U2 became a bit of a a cult thing for me uh, to the point that when I was 18 or so I was with a couple of mates basically chasing the U2 cover band called Rattle and Hum all over Sydney No matter where they were playing on a Friday or Saturday night, you would find us there. Um, I think the band knew us, I think they knew all about us and they were a bit annoyed by us because we seemed to take control of the whole dance floor. But, not that I can dance. However, you two used to speak pretty deeply to me uh, before I knew deeper things and, uh, and Bono has written a song called, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. I want to share this with you before. Anyway, let me lead you, read you some of these lyrics. It says, I have climbed the highest mountains. I have run through the fields only to be with you. I have run, I have crawled, I have scaled these city walls only to be with you. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. "'I've kissed honey lips, felt the healing in her fingertips. "'It burned like fire, this burning desire. "'I have spoke with the tongue of angels. "'I have held the hand of a devil. "'It was warm in the night. "'It was cold as a stone. "'But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. "'I believe in the kingdom come. "'Then all the colours will bleed into one. "'Well, yes, I'm still running.' You broke the bonds and you loosed the chains, carried the cross of my shame, of my shame. You know I believed it, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. See, he's talking about Jesus. And, uh, and I didn't know it at the time, but it expresses a man, I used to just go and party, but it expresses a man that has sought fullness in people and in different experiences Uh, but still hasn't found what he's looking for. Now, I resonated with that before I found Christ because there's a great emptiness that comes uh, without knowing uh, the Lord Jesus. No matter what you are searching for, no matter what it is that you think you're seeking, whatever you try to fill your life with, well, you always end up thinking, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. But at the end of that song is an expression of the gospel message. Christ broke the bonds and loosed the chains, carried the cross of my shame. And Bono says, you know I believed it, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. So I don't know much about Bono and I don't know what was in his heart and what's in his heart now, but I do know that many of us Professor faith in the Lord Jesus, but we still say I still don't seem to find have found what I'm looking for. We seem to still have something that's a bit empty. We still long for something a bit more. We start dappling in other things because we still don't feel we've found what we're looking for. See, Colossians 2, 6-15 to 15 this morning, I think, addresses this problem. It addresses the problem of being in Christ, but feeling that there's still something lacking. That somehow we need to add something more, or even take something out of the gospel message in order to fill that void that we still seem to have at times. And perhaps it comes to you when you're looking at the non-Christian world and they seem to have a little less worry that they carry or a little less concerns at times. And perhaps, like a psalmist says very uh, well, that they seem to be blessed more than what you're blessed. And you think, well, maybe they've got something that I don't have because I don't feel like I have what Enough. Some of you, it might be at work, it might be at school, it might be uh, in your social circles, it might be simply the people that you come across down the shop in our community, your neighbours, whatever it might be, but they seem to put themselves first and that seems to be a better philosophy. On a spiritual level, perhaps they follow a new age philosophy or they've got some sort of meditative technique or there's something they practice that you think wow it seems to give them something that I don't have and you start wondering well maybe I need to add or maybe I need to subtract or maybe it's other churches you look around and they they claim to have things and you think oh if only I could have that so in many ways when we become a Christian we struggle to get to the point Where we say, I have found everything I am looking for. I think initially we do say that. I know I did. But then you start wondering whether you've got everything. Well, I think Paul is addressing uh, this and he's answering the question in our passage. How can I know Jesus is everything I am looking for? If you have a look at verses 6 and 7, he begins by saying, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See, the first thing Paul says is so central and important to know that Jesus is everything you are looking for. here and now is by attaching yourself exclusively to him see in verse 6 here he says continue in him just as you received him in other words the same jesus that you took hold of so powerfully when you first came to christ or if you if you have grown up that you in moments have known him to be uh, so strong the creator the sustainer the savior the lord of the universe the one who is supreme over all things is the one we must remain rooted in the one that we must uh, be a part of now i want you to notice the active tense of these words see when paul talks about our salvation and our secured hope which is in and around this ver- this passage he talks in the past tense he talks about salvation having been won for us, all past tense. But now he's saying this is an active reality for all of us. If we want to stay firmly rooted in Him, it's an active, uh, an active life. This isn't a sit back and enjoy the ride life of Christian. Paul says, continue to live in Him, and then he gives us this image: rooted, built up, strengthened. And overflowing. See, that's how our uh, lives should look like. It really reflects Psalm 1. If you remember Psalm 1, uh, blessed is he who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. I should have, I should read it for you. I, I think I'll read it for you. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. And then the same imagery, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, prospers. This idea of being rooted and firmly established and overflowing with thankfulness as the abundance of being rooted in Christ... And when I arrived up in the Kimberley uh, back in 2015, I first was asked to preach in an Anglican church. uh, But we really didn't have enough money to stay. They wanted me there for six weeks because the church had gone through a fair bit of turmoil. And they said, Can you just hang around and preach and, and just look after us for six weeks? But I had no money when we got there. And so a mate of mine, Paul, he owns a sandalwood farm. And he said, Well, come and work on the sandalwood farm while you're doing it and I went sure I've spent my life in an office I've spent my life uh, firmly rooted in in air conditioning and uh, in all these wonderful things about the financial world and uh, spreadsheets and drinking coffee and being wined and dined on corporate cards sure I'll come and work on your farm Paul what do you want me to do well We're cutting down the sandalwood and I need you to deal with the stumps and I need you to haul these big logs and I need you to do all this manual labour. And I'm like, okay. Well, I lasted two weeks. I almost passed out one day and I ended up with the most enormous rash in history. I think it might have been from the caterpillars. But I remember having fevers all night and sitting under the uh, s- under a cold shower because I was so overwhelmed with this rash. Now there's a reason I'm telling you that, and it's actually about sandalwood, uh, not about me. So sandalwood, though, I did learn a lot about sandalwood. Now I don't know if you've been up there or or in other areas where they grow sandalwood, but sandalwood is a tree that is parasitic. What it is is it it, it doesn't just take water, it can it, its root system will, uh, will will suck up water and moisture and nutrients but the main way it's fed is by attaching itself to the root system of another tree. So when you plant sandalwood, you plant a host tree next to it that you want to grow, not too big to, to shed the light, to, to stop the light from growing the sandalwood but you'll, you'll grow this host tree and the sandalwood will then, you you actually starve it of water, you don't give it water, so it digs its roots and it attaches to the root system of another tree. And it sucks the life out of that tree until it is dead. And so you want the biggest tree you can next to it, but not so big that it stops all the light coming and helping the sandalwood grow straight. It's a really fascinating industry. But in many ways, Paul is saying that we are like sandalwood. Not that we're negatively parasitic, but as life moves on, we do start attaching ourselves to other ideas and beliefs, and we start building our worldview. It's called the phenomena in philosophical terms. We have our uh, senses and everything that we Uh, encounter with our senses builds a world view. That's why our world thinks that our life is relative and truth is relative because whatever we encounter, well, that's what we've created. And Paul actually says we're a bit like sandalwood. We can easily attach ourselves to all sorts of things. But he says don't do that. He says attach yourself to Christ alone. Do not go searching after these hollow philosophies. The fullness of Christ you are looking for will only come if you are exclusive to him. If you start dappling in other things, it will start, being, uh, it'll start affecting your spiritual walk and you won't see the fullness of Christ develop in your life the hard thing for us is that not only have we nothing to contribute to our salvation it's a free gift it's by grace we don't need to add anything to the gospel and the truths that Christ brings us this is the fullness that God has done and gives and provides and continues to give us but we have a role here we need to attach ourselves to Jesus. Well, ironically, in some ways, that means obedience. Yes, we're saved by grace. And I mentioned this last week because this is what Paul continues on about. But we need to get on board with the program. We need to continue on in the gospel message and living life the way that Paul has, um, that Jesus asks us to live. One of my first encounters with this kind of uh, difference in relating uh, to each other, um, which is ultimately how our life pans out in Christ, was when I became a Christian. So I became a Christian through a soccer team. It was through the Reformed Church soccer team at Blacktown. And one of the things that stood out for me beyond anything was how those blokes used to treat each other. Now, some were Christian, some just grew up in uh, in church. But for me, my life to that point, as I was off uh, watching the U2 cover band with my mates, was putting each other down as much as we could. Whoever could put each other down the most, I think that's how Aussies do it. If we can put each other down the most, then we win and we're the best mate that we can be. It's kind of a bit bizarre. It's it, it's It's actually is anti-relational in many respects but when i joined this soccer team these blokes were encouraging each other encouraging me they seemed to live differently and i think most of it was because they were rooted in jesus they seriously wanted to encourage each other to grow and it was a real big impact on me it was very different and this is what paul's talking about we need to disengage with the world that we've known and engage with what Christ has asked us to be. Well, that's the first thing he says here. And the second thing uh, he says, so exclusively attach yourself to Jesus. The second thing he says, defend yourself from the captive captivity of other philosophies. Verse 8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. So, not only do we exclusively attach ourselves to Jesus, we have to defend our faith. So, the image of captivity here is very strong. If you think that you can have a little bit of New Age spiritism or a little bit of tantric meditation or dapple in even a little bit of drunkenness every now and again, Paul says that putting your trust in other philosophies and promises means that you are becoming captive to them. This is like uh, the image of pirates. Think of pirates. Pirates are real, by the way. They're not made up. There are pirates in the ocean and what they do is that they will uh, jump on board your ship and hold you gunpoint. You're still on your ship, but they will jump on and they will hold you gunpoint and force you to hand over or give up things about your Christian walk, about your faith in Christ. And Paul says... You need to defend your faith, defend against uh, those other philosophies that will come on board and hold you to gunpoint, take you captive. And that's the imagery that Paul's using. Peter says in his letter, "'Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith.'" Uh, Paul says therefore put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand you see there's this activity of defence we need to constantly be reminded that we are to push back to defend ourselves because in the end all these philosophies and all these ways that people are trying to encourage us to live like well they are empty and they are hollow you dig deeper you dig and eventually it comes up with nothing and that is no more certain because we all face that great intruder of death at one point in our life and when that intruder comes well all these other philosophies will be coming up empty because there is only one that has raised Jesus from the dead and has secured your hope of an eternal future, and that is your faith in Christ. When I practiced Eastern philosophy, which I did before I became a Christian, I did a lot of New Age spiritual kind of things, but one of the uh, Eastern philosophies I was very engaged with was Taoism. I loved Taoism, but at the heart of Taoism is the idea of becoming the unhewn log, the, the log that hasn't been affected by so many other uh, things in the world. They, they say you're born as you should be, you're effectively perfect when you're born, but the, the ways of the world has changed you and shaped you into this, into this something that you were never born to be. So you need to strip all those things back and become the unhewn log again. That's beneficial in some ways. I can practice many of their things. But when it all comes down to it, when I strip all those things away and I come to the core center of myself, what do I find? Well, I don't find a perfect person. I find the true sinner that the gospel tells me that I am. And so it comes up empty because when I die, it leaves me with nothing. It might bring some benefit in the short term, but it will always be empty. See, Paul isn't saying don't live wisely. He's not saying to to, to, to not engage with the world in the way when they, they reveal some wise ways to live, such as not smoking and 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 drinking and all those other things. But when you engage with them, don't worship them. Recognise them through the lens of the gospel. So remain rooted in Jesus. Secondly, defend yourself against the captivity of hollow and deceptive philosophies. Well, Finally, he finishes by, by saying that we need to nourish ourselves. So we root ourselves in Christ, we defend, and then we nourish. And we nourish ourselves by knowing who Christ is and what he has done and is doing. Let me read you the rest of that passage from verse 9. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hand. "'Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, "'was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, "'having been buried with him in baptism, "'in which you were also raised with him "'through your faith in the working of God "'who raised him from the dead. "'When you were dead in your sins "'and in this uncircumcision of your flesh, "'God made you alive with Christ. "'He forgave us all our sins, "'having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, "'which stood against us and condemned us. "'He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross.' And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. See, ultimately he's contrasting the difference between following Jesus and the deceptive philosophies of the world. You see, religion or any spiritual practice or anything that's trying to entice you will always leave you condemned, will always leave... Uh, leave you dead in your sins, and they will always drive you to practices based on human traditions. He uses the uh, the, the um, understanding of circumcision in the in the in the law given to Abraham, uh, you know there was a physical circumcision. He's now saying you have been released from that binding religious uh, observances which, always led you just to highlight that you couldn't observe them perfectly, the law. To another type of circumcision, which is of the heart, which is a spiritual circumcision, which happens by the Spirit. Your heart has been uh, opened, and it has been renewed, and the Holy Spirit lives within you. So you were dead when you were living by the laws, but now you're alive. And every deceptive and philosophy will lead you back to death. But Christ leads you to freedom. He deals with your condemnation. He takes your shame. He releases you from all the burdens of not being able to live up to this. When I was a Mormon, I've been many things, <laughs> I was searching I was searching as a young fella, and I ended up having the Mormons come into my home. They took me through their five or six week program. I got baptized into the Mormon. I was fast tracked into the. They've got two priesthoods, the Aaronic, and the Melchizedek priesthood. I oh, is it twelve months before you're allowed the Aaronic? They 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 took me to the bishop near the temple in Carlingford and I sat down and he goes, we want to fast track you, we're going to send you overseas as a missionary. And so I got the Aaronic, as in Aaron, uh, priesthood. Uh, I I was on track for the Melchizedek priesthood, all those kind of things. But I tell you, each year you've got to sit with the bishop and he goes through a list of things. Have you given 10% of your gross income to the church? Imagine if I did this to you lot. 10% of your gross income. Have you abstained from sexual relations outside of marriage? Have you drank tea or coffee now? (laughs) If there was ever a deal breaker. (laughs) But you would sit there and most people would say, yes, 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 yes. But they knew deep down that there was always something that they they hadn't done but you couldn't sit there and say no because there were consequences so you were led into this space where you were observing a hollow philosophy and in order to do that you were led into lying really you had to believe that you were worthy that you somehow stood on your own two feet to be able to be considered worthy But no, Paul's saying, don't be led into these things. They are easier to control. They make you feel like you can tick the boxes. But in the end, don't go there. Nourish yourselves, not by religious practices, but by knowing who Christ is. And he reiterates everything he's led into this passage. I know we haven't been through it, but it's the supremacy of Christ. He is the supreme. All things were made by him and for him. He is the one that everything is about. And he is the one who has taken your sins and nailed them to the cross. He has forgiven you. You have been set free. And Paul says in Galatians 5, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Don't go back to that way. Live in this freedom and allow Christ to lead you. But you know him. And the more you know him, you will love him. And the more you love him, you will seek to be like him. And the more you be like him, well, God continues to work that out in your life. That is true freedom because no matter what you fall, no matter how many of those lists you have to say, actually I fail. That's not your determining factor of how you move forward. The fact is Christ died on the cross. He was raised again in the third day. His life for your life. He has cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, Paul says. But by doing that, he says he has disarmed the powers and authorities, making a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them on the, by the cross. That means you don't need to follow these other leaders you root yourself firmly in christ you continue to defend yourself from being taken captive by these other things and you live a life of abundant freedom knowing that you are set free that the shame and the guilt is no longer the thing that controls you it is the love of christ and he will continue to love you no matter what because nothing can separate us from the love of god that is in christ jesus our lord don't be don't don't be ruled by these other things don't be dappling into them if you want to know the fullness and the abundance that comes and if you want to declare i have found everything that i'm looking for you put your mind on christ your savior and you just love him and know him and follow him and everything else will bring a fullness, uh, even through suffering, even through death, even through pain, because there is nothing else that holds a full f- philosophy or a full a fullness uh, than the truth of the gospel message, and that is Jesus. Uh, he is the all in all, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, and he will be everything that you ever need. Well, Heavenly Father, thank you that Uh, We don't need to seek after other things to fill the void uh, that we often feel, Lord. Help us not to uh, start attaching our roots to other philosophies and other uh, deceptive and hollow religious practices which aren't of Christ. Father God, I pray that each of us will firmly attach ourselves, our root system. Uh, to the Lord Jesus, that we will be nourished by him through your word in prayer. And Father God, I pray that we each uh, will know the fullness of Christ so that we do not feel that there's something else, but we know that in everything, in our forgiveness of sin, in the love that you have for us and in the abundance of life everlasting, uh, we will stand firm. Father God, thank you for your word and we pray as we go into this week that you really bless us with this fullness and we pray it in Jesus' name.